0: The Anesthesia podcast.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to this very special live Twitter broadcast. Uh, I'm Tanya Selak, we're coming to you live from Wollongong, New South Wales, Australia in the evening. Uh, We know that uh, we've got people all around the world tuning in, thanks for logging on uh, wherever you are in the world in your time zone. Uh, we're Just before we get started, we'd like to uh, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we're coming to you from, that's Darawal country, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And we welcome everyone to the broadcast. Uh, with me, I've got my colleague here in Wollongong, Dr. Jessica Devlin-Hegidas. Uh, she's an anaesthetic consultant here, and she is lead author on a paper that the journal has just released about responsible use of volatile um, gases. Um, So let's get right into it. So tell me, what's the paper about? Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for introducing me in
0: our paper. So we've developed this action guidance based on the observation that over the years we've had a very significant body of evidence about the environmental impact of and anesthetics, and that there's a lot of things we can do to mitigate that impact. We've observed that there's been a a bit of a divide between what we know on this topic and actual tangible action and change in practice that we need. Um, So this has been developed along with CODA um, uh, based on an action plan and resources available on their website and on their platform. Um, We detail the sort of pathway to action that has been developed by CODA in in the article. And then the article is structured around a number of key recommendations. The idea of these is they are meaningful and achievable interventions that anesthesia providers can undertake to reduce the impact of and anesthetics in their practice. So what they are, just firstly, broadly, it's about exercising stewardship in the use of these agents. We argue that anesthetists have a really important role in um, demonstrating leadership in environmental action, and particularly in the use of these drugs, because they're directly within our control. um, And there are things that we can do to mitigate their impacts. That's our first suggestion. Then to get to the practical items, um, we the recommendation is that we avoid inhaled anesthetics that have a high impact. And so particularly these are desflurane and nitrous oxide. So firstly regarding desflurane, um, we advocate that desflurane is removed from clinical use. Um, as you know, it's a volatile anesthetic. It has an um, environmental impact that's about 40 to 50 times greater than that of sevoflurane and isoflurane when used sort of typically an over 100-year period. Um, the clinical, we find that the um, there's no significant evidence regarding a efficiency or clinical benefit for desflurine to justify this use. Mm-hmm. It's also a very costly agent. It's at quite a high cost to our health systems. So this can be removed, removed from clinical use safely um, without compromising patient care. Um, the next part is nitrous oxide. So, again, another high-impact agent. It's um, got a very long atmospheric half time and is used in quite high concentrations. So its impact is actually quite similar to DES. Um, so we, as, we are advocating that people are, are rational in its use. So we, we use it where it's clinically appropriate and we do what we can to minimise its use. Um, we obviously acknowledge that there are a lot of environments outside of theatre that use desflurane. I'm oh, sorry, that use nitrous oxide. And so we also... We also suggest this is another important point for anesthesia leadership and engaging with these other clinical areas um, to consider alternatives to nitrous oxide and ways that we can rationalize its use and minimize its impact. The next recommendation around nitrous oxide is around decommissioning central nitrous oxide piping. So it's been found that most nitrous oxide is lost through central piping systems in hospitals. This is a large source of waste. Um, So we can decommission central piping systems, reduce the waste associated with these drugs. And What we advocate for is we decommission the piping and replace this with cylinders at the point of care. Um, And when we build new hospitals, we don't install these piping systems. Next is that as an alternative to inhaled anesthetic agents that we consider alternatives to their use. So these are things such as total intravenous anesthesia and regional anesthesia as well. We have some important discussion in this article around regional anesthesia and the minimizing associated sort of um, embedded CO2 emissions with other other components of it so minimizing waste and minimizing the supplemental oxygen that's given um, because there can be an environmental impact with high FiO2 um, of medical oxygen Um, and then in regards to TiVa this is a pretty clear-cut one there's been good life cycle analyses done that have found that using TiVa is orders of magnitude better than using volatile anaesthetics even when you consider the Manufacture of all the component parts the drug the transport the electricity all of these things that go into it it's still a very good environmental alternative. Next really important recommendation is regarding fresh gas flows. So we acknowledge that volatile anaesthetics need to be used in some settings and the really important thing to do is to try to conserve their use and use them rationally by minimising your fresh gas flows during all stages of anaesthesia. So we obviously talk about using low flow stream maintenance, um, depending on what is clinically appropriate for that patient. But we also talk about, um, you know, during induction or changing the depth of anesthesia, having a preference towards a, a higher fractional inspired concentration and lower flows to have those sort of changes that you need as well. Um, we talk a little bit, and we can talk a bit later about this, but talk a bit about some traditional concerns regarding low fresh gas flows with sevoflurane anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, a, as as you know, it's been traditionally thought that we need to avoid that due to theoretical compound A production and nephrotoxicity. There's been many, many years now of using sevoflurane at low fresh gas flows without any evidence of harm um, associated with this practice, and there's no evidence of harm associated with compound A in humans. So we'd just like to make that point that it can be used safely. And this is what we should be advocating for. Lastly, we want everyone to share and be involved. Um, So we want people to advocate for change in their departments, want you to measure what you're doing and set targets and feedback. Um, So be, be engaged in this process will help to drive change. We have some discussion about Um, waste anesthetic gas technologies as well. Um, This involves either capture and potentially repurposing for volatile anesthetics or destruction for nitrous oxide. These are really promising technologies Um, and I will talk a little bit about this later but we identify that there are some issues potentially with these technologies at this stage and so right now a much higher priority is to actually reduce the use of volatile agents by reducing flows and all of that. Otherwise the paper talks about some wonderful success stories um, about places that have introduced um, interventions to reduce the impact of anaesthetics in their practice. And we argue that these can be adopted. We give a process for how to engage and educate with your
1: department as well. Wonderful. The um, So the thing I found so impressive Mm. about this paper is it's sort of moving from this theoretical construct, we've been talking about it for a long time, to actual the practicalities of it. So that transitional idea about what can individual people do. But what I'm curious about is just the backstory to how this paper came to be. So there's four co-authors on Mm -hmm. the paper, yourself, uh, lead author yep. here in um, Wollongong yes. with me. You've got Forbes McGain, yep. um, who's the doyen of sustainability <laughs> and anaesthesia from Melbourne. He's yep. been a big deal for yep. many, many years. Um, Roger Harris, yep. uh, who was one of the founders of the massive yep. smack yep. um, organisation and movement and then yep. CODA. Yep. Um, and then Jody Sherman yeah. from Yale. So yes. there's the four of you. That's right scattered around the world yeah. how is it that you came to write this paper
0: together so we've been brought together by CODA for this action um, CODA is a medical education um charity you would be familiar with SMAC you've mm-hmm. just mentioned that so SMAC as you'd be aware they they've been around for several years now and their mission was try was to try to disrupt conventional medical education by involving social media in critical care mm-hmm. education a hugely successful movement mm-hmm. um, they found that over the years that people attending the SMAC at conferences and engaged with their, their organization were becoming more and more interested in advocacy towards global health issues such as the climate crisis and gender equality. Um, so they've shifted their focus and they've now reformed as CODA. Um, CODA is now an online platform with a number of resources. They, they have a social media presence. They host podcasts and so they have a conference rather coming up in September. So their idea was to try to engage clinicians with their online platform with a number of meaningful and achievable actions towards the climate crisis. And ours is one of them. So minimising the use of and anaesthetics was seen as one of these potential actions, which it absolutely is. Um, they've developed a performer for an action plan and they, they, coll- they um, collaborated, or sorry, they invited groups of clinical experts to collaborate on these and, um, and developed basically a guidance based on the evidence and that was practical and achievable. So they've linked in myself and and Jody from Yale and Forbes from Melbourne, and both of those are incredibly eminent in the field. They've done a lot of this work that we're actually referencing. Um, And we've developed the action guidance. We felt that this was a really strong thing to share with the anesthesia community more broadly. And so we've supported the online resources with this article for Mm -hmm. anesthesia
1: to try to, again, as you said, create those practical steps that people can do to bridge the gap yeah. yeah it's so wonderful i mean you know we we're talking before about the SMAC organization yeah. i learned to tweet um at the SMAC conference of yes. gold coast i remember going to the conference yeah. and we're about to go to the gala dinner and i said to a a, a delegate they said what it it's Twitter, and that was the very first time I'd heard yeah. about Twitter. So, um, kudos to Smack yeah, and Coda for blending the education with yes. the advocacy. Really um, incredible yeah, group of and people that's what's there. That's so exciting, that's right? Um, so. What I want to do now is move to some spicy questions. Okay, yep. Um, So the paper's been shared widely on social media. Yes. It's had wonderful impact, wonderful engagement. People are really interested in this topic. Most of the feedback has been very positive, very supportive, sharing their stories. However, there's been some spicy feedback. Okay. So let's just sort of dive into those. go for it. So let's talk about the first thing. So. How can we be talking about sustainability yeah. and anaesthesia um, or in medicine more generally and get on a plane and fly sure. to a conference? Yeah. How can we do that? This is a difficult balance because um, I think,
0: you know, we all really know this from the last couple of years, the importance of connectivity. We've had long periods of time sort of isolated from each other as colleagues and, um, and doing things remotely. Um, we can achieve a lot without having to fly to places, but there is also a really important um, element of connection, if you want to get things done, and particularly for these sorts of causes. So I think that we need to we need to balance this. We need to consider um, our impact and try to balance the need to to be in person and have those connections to try to enact change um, versus you know, I guess being consistent with what we're actually arguing for. As always, there are things that we can do to mitigate our impact. We obviously do what we can online as much as we can link in and connect with people using virtual platforms. We've all become very good with that now. Um, We can do things like um, offset our our carbon, um, the emissions associated with our flight with carbon credits. We can fly across Economy rather than business class that makes a really big difference. So I think it's important to rationalise these things, but I also don't think that we we need to to cut those connections off entirely because we also need to, to get things done and collaborate.
1: But it's a challenging balance. I get mm-hmm. that. Wonderful. Now here's another here's <laughs> another question for you. How about training? Yeah. So um, I mentioned on Twitter this week um, that actually I'd worked with a registrar last week who had uh, anesthetic registrar yeah. who didn't know how to use the gas yeah that only used teva yeah. and they didn't really know what to do with the Siva fluorane mm. and so it's a bit curious to that me that is yeah like quite curious to yeah. me um mm. that we're sort of having this situation now yeah. i mean people would say well you don't know how to use ether either would we train you how to do that mm. we haven't taught you how to do old fashioned techniques yeah. it's just just the yeah. way of the future but what do you how do you feel about yeah. that? About trainees maybe not getting the exposure yeah. to these straightforward volatiles yeah. that we'd it's we trained on. Such it's an interesting a,
0: thing to hear. Mind it is, blow. Yeah. People didn't believe me.
1: And I was like, no, yeah. actually it's true. Yeah.
0: No, that's amazing to hear because it's a flip side from when I was a trainee mm. not that long ago that yeah. T was was the novelty so it's a great day people using it widely but I, I completely understand what you're saying there's going to be a place for volatile anaesthetics in our practice for some time now and what we're advocating for is that people use them and learn to use them as trainees in a, in a rational way that has a stewardship focus so mm-hmm. Them in a way that is socially responsible and so with that we, we do need I, I believe we do need trainees to use these agents as long as they're going to be something they might have to resort to for certain mm-hmm. clinical indications um, but I think that part of that should be discussions about when it is appropriate to use them and how we can minimize the impact um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah I, I mean I'm thinking yeah.
1: Um, here we are at Wollongong Hospital yep. I used to be a trainee yeah. um, at, at night shift sitting up on the 10th temp- floor mm-hmm. um and the worst thing um would be the two o'clock in the morning phone call yep. uh an emergency has come through someone's really sick and they yes. um come through ed they're bleeding someone's septic mm. there's some critical emergency and in that fog and fatigue in my mind yeah i would just go thio sucks tube yeah. co2 gas go yeah, yeah and i would have these very simple thoughts mm. in my mind and the problem is now with Tiva. i'm finding it really curious mm. because i'll be called in to assist in yep. the night yeah. um and the registrar's are drawing up all these uh the, yeah. the Remy, and we're getting that yeah. covered and the propofol and the all that so how do we go from from advocacy yeah to avoiding the shame sort of shaming mm. when you're yeah. saying because i do see this i see registrars look at me and they're not sure yeah. if they turn it on what's yeah what's going
0: to happen absolutely i think i think that's about the sort of conversations that we create around this topic and you know this about me that i've always been a believer that we need to bring people along with mm. us and we don't want to alienate people mm. around these sorts of causes so i say a lot that perfect is the enemy of good with environmental sustainability mm. we want people to feel like doing something is better than nothing. Even if they can't do what is the right thing 100% of the time, we want people to start to make some of those changes to reduce the impact of their practice. Um, And so I think I really, I don't feel there should be any shaming around this. I think that there should be an open discussion amongst colleagues about what we know about this and, and what are the things that we can do. Do to minimise their impact, um, and and just and hope that people start to make those changes that are reasonable for them, and then from that flows more. Um, I we also do need to balance, I think, as senior clinicians, like meeting the the needs of our trainees and creating environments where trainees also feel like they can have discussions
1: around
0: mm-hmm. um, these choices in a in a safe way and not a shameful way. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a lot of it's about the culture that we
1: create.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, yeah. Yes, it is interesting because yeah. there was a paper a couple of years ago saying we should get rid of volatiles yeah. altogether. Yeah. I don't – I'm I'm not part of that camp. Yeah. Um, some of the changes are easy to make. Yeah. So, for example, desflurane, yes. for me, was very easy to get rid of. In my view, it was an overhyped drug, yeah. overmarketed, difficult to use, gave yeah. some people tachycardia, sort of gave some bronchospasm, had this nonsense of a fast mm. wake-up, which is just – Really, even hmm. ridiculous in the um, environment we're right, now, yeah. where everything takes forever, um, and and to cap that all off in a stupid um, vaporizer that was I know yeah, it uses energy. So time. why did yeah. we do that in yeah. the first place? It's crazy. So for me, desflurane was really yeah. easy to get yeah. rid of, but you know the nitrous yeah. and the sevo, there yeah. are still situations where I think no, I actually need to, I actually need to use mm. that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about children? Mm-hmm. So, a lot yeah. of the pediatric experts, in fact, some of the big hospitals in the world only use um, IV yeah, inductions for yeah. children and they use uh, TIVA. Yep. And maybe they pre med and maybe they yeah. MLA. Yeah. But maybe that's not achievable mm, I agree. for everybody. I
0: yeah, agree. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic in those sorts of environments mm-hmm. where people are very rehearsed at doing it and they've integrated into their practice and they're comfortable. Um, there's obviously other benefits of TIVA apart from just the environmental benefits. So, that's great. Mm-hmm. But But I completely see your point and I do agree as an occasional paediatric anaesthetist myself and a lot of people I know would are not going to be comfortable in removing an inhalational induction from their usual practice because we just don't do IV Mm -hmm. inductions in kids enough necessarily. Again it comes back to being able to I guess mitigate where you can, doing the best you can within your scope of practice and what you feel comfortable with and and how you want to give a safe anaesthetic. Mm -hmm. So for me like things to sort of mitigate that with the peds induction would be that you use a higher concentration and a lower fresh gas flow you um, avoid nitrous unless you really need it like you know I might use it sometimes for a very distressed child potentially um, mm-hmm. but to think about that just think about it before we turn it on rather than making it be automatic Um, use low fresh gas flows and then you can change to Tiva of course like once Mm -hmm. the child is anesthetized so I guess just starting we have these conversations people can start to think of these other things they can do even Mm -hmm. if they can't just do the IV induction and just use Tiva all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, People are talking a lot about in the future about capturing the volatiles, destroying them, uh, putting them away. How far away do you think that is from routine use? A a little bit still. Like These things are
0: really exciting and promising and we've certainly acknowledged that in the article. So we've got the option of um, capture of volatiles and potentially repurposing them and then nitrous destruction. Interestingly, destruction of nitrous is actually in use. So in Sweden, it's quite commonplace they have nitrous destruction units on top of the the maternity wards the labor wards and and that's quite routine there um and quite an established means of reducing the impact of nitrous oxide there's also a lot of talk lately about these new mobile nitrous destruction units that are becoming a little bit more commonplace in high-use areas like in in labour wards again. So I think we're going to start to see those things come out a little bit more and people are going to start to make decisions about the utility of those based on their particular hospital and environment and use. Um, The volatile capture um, is a little bit further off in the sense that there's still some problems unique to its use in that most places broadly haven't improved the use of recycled volatile anaesthetics. So we can recapture them, but it creates an issue around how do we store them, how do we transport them, and what do we do with them. So that's not worked out yet. Broadly, there are some issues with the technology that we've identified in the article in the sense that, to, to go through these processing systems, they actually have to be captured. And so that can be affected by issues with um, like an inadequate mask seal. So you've got escape of the gas and it's not getting captured. Um, if, you're, if you've are if you got somebody using a self-administered nitrous oxide system and they're not using it correctly, or if you're losing the gas before the point of care, so through the piping, like with nitrous oxide, this isn't going to get included into that system. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can be used with actually catching the drugs. Um, and then also it's affected by fresh gas flow. So there's just a few questions and there's a few um, things to be determined about the environmental financial mm-hmm. sort of balance with these um, units still. Yes. Yeah. So notes in exciting. the paper you, was, you yeah.
1: mentioned that, but you haven't really advocated for it because yeah. you feel like at the it's moment just not it's quite not there. there. And yeah. we feel the priority really is to just reduce the use of these agents. So moving yeah. past volatiles, yep. what can the average anaesthetist, what can the average healthcare worker in a yeah. hospital Do, because every time, you know, I put a spinal anaesthetic in Mm -hmm. and it's a little teeny little needle and I've got this whole pile of rubbish for my spinal anaesthetic with the full scrub and everything. So if we think about individual clinicians and departments, hospitals, healthcare systems what can people do at those levels? That's such
0: a good question and so important. So I'll start with individuals. So I'm a really big believer in getting action through working groups. So in your theatre complex, engaging a multidisciplinary working group of people that are like motivated like you are. It's much easier to get things done with a team and particularly a team that contribute can contribute their knowledge based on their unique area. So we have one here, we've involved our nurses, we have our theatre techs involved, we have our transporters involved, we have waste management. We've brought in as many people as we can um, to help identify what solutions will work in our environment and how to best achieve that. And so to talk about the the issue with the the spinal packs as a group, we're looking at that like we with our team knows how to get that done so we can benefit from each other's knowledge. also on an individual level, there's a lot of really good resources in the article. So we've got a number of checklists and guidelines in there that people can use either on their own or with a group um, to work through potential things that they could do in their theatres. There's also a lot of calculators and fun things like that that you can use to, to try to work out the relative environmental cost associated with different options that you like to use. Mm-hmm. And so you might have a few different ways that you like to safely give an anaesthetic and you can put this in one of these individual calculators and see how they way up. So that's really useful. On an organizational level and a department level, um, you know, this is where our leadership and advocacy can be really important because what we need ultimately is to have a culture in our hospitals where environmental sustainability is prioritised, like with every other important metric in clinical care. Um, And it's something that I've heard you say on Twitter, like we have infection control teams, um, stewardship teams, we should have environmental stewardship teams. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that's starting to happen around the world. They have a, you know, in the UK, they have a sustainability unit um, within the NHS it sort of provides advice to clinicians really broadly and so this kind of leadership and including environmental sustainability as a metric that we aim for in healthcare is quite essential.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I'm really um, the idea of having sustainability mm. stewardship yeah. is a very attractive one to yeah, me yeah, definitely. Um, because I think particularly in the pandemic yeah. um, we've had our infection control wonderful people who've worked really hard yeah Uh, they've had a lot of uh, kudos and resources and power to sort out infection job as they should totally um totally important uh however uh mostly there hasn't been time to think about the environmental yeah, impact yeah. of various ways That's of doing right, things. Yeah. So wouldn't it be great in the future? Yeah. Could you imagine if we had hand in glove, yeah. infection control course, yeah, and, and sustainability yeah. working together yes. to come up with solutions yeah. for safe care in hospitals? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Rather than um, the slightly unopposed yeah. uh, way of doing dealing with things. So I think one of the major things in your guideline is about lifting other people up and about promoting others and bringing people together. So I'm wondering how can we measure the impact of guidelines? How can we share success? How can we learn from
0: each other? So, So we have tried to integrate that into this process and this action. So as I alluded to earlier, Coda has developed a platform on their website where they host a lot of our recommendations and sort of practical things that people can do. Um, and also ways that they can get in we're encouraging people to share their stories with us their successes and we want people to be able to learn from each other because we acknowledge that the way that action on this issue looks is going to be different in different parts of the world Um, so we want people to be able to benefit from the experiences of others that may apply better in their unique environment so that's one part of it Um, we're also encouraging people to actually collect and audit data about volatile anaesthetic use this is a really important thing to do on a departmental level actually talking about about that earlier is that you know we understand how much we're using we can set targets for change so we're trying to encourage people to do that in their departments and share that data with us we've created a um, audit tool Um, it's based on the american society of anesthesiologists tool and so we encourage people to enter this data either via them via their website or via the Coda website and from this we can track and sort of observe the use of volatile anesthetics yeah. over time and the impact of these actions yeah and yeah. i think
1: um I mean you know me I'm on Twitter all of yes. the time. Um and there's so much good stuff yeah, on there and yeah. I just you know the first thing in my mind I think about ditch the deers.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I'd like to I'd like to be part of that community yeah. that that slagged dares yeah. off into the ground <laughs> um <laughs> and um of course the trash too organisation yes. um is so fantastic so here yeah. in australia super Ooh. superstars yes. is what they yeah. are um so just before we close yep. if you wanted to give the people listening all around the world yep. um one final message like how could they what can they take from all of this stuff what can they do today and I'm thinking about the UK people it's 10 o'clock 10 30 in the morning what can they do today in their operating theatres how can they move this forward yeah absolutely so I think I I just really want people to understand that we have
0: to start somewhere and some change is better than nothing all of this is going to contribute towards a greater picture and a greater whole so we can go to work tomorrow and we can use a lower fresh Gas flow, if we haven't been doing that, we can try to use TIVA for an extra patient that we might not have ordinarily done that for, Um, again, as long as it's appropriate. Um, So just start to think about those things you can do on a case by case basis. There's small changes that we can make quite easily, Um, and they all matter, and is my point. This is all within our control, and it it does all make a difference. It contributes to that momentum, that larger conversation, um, and that healthcare leadership that we're all trying to, to push for.
1: All right. Well, thanks so thank much, you. Jess. Yeah, thank you, everybody. It's been so um, yeah, so wonderful to chat with you about Yeah, you, this you too. And, yeah. You know, I think congratulations to thanks you so for much. all the initiatives yeah. you've done here at, at the hospital. I think oh, it's really um, really impressive, and, yeah. and we're really well, proud we have a great of you. Group here. Here. Yeah, yeah. I'm very <laughs> lucky to work in this place. you <laughs> hired me. <so. laughs> have to say that right (laughs) she's pretty good hey thanks so much for listening thanks everyone we're going to be straight on the twitter chatting um and we'll see you see you on the socials good night good morning go well
0: the anesthesia podcast